0: Hello, ladies and gents. It's uh, Dan from Adventure More UK. Welcome to another episode of my podcast. Today's special guest is a friend, is also an adventurer, a speaker, and an author. The name's Mr. James Ketchell. How are you going, mate?
1: Hello, Dan. Thank you for having me. I'm great. It's been, what, what did we say? It was four years ago that I last saw you and we yeah. were cycling together.
0: So yeah yeah, four years ago but I'm good four years ago but <laughs> um, yeah thank you very much mate it's been an absolute pleasure for you to come on um as I say we, we met four years ago while you were doing one of your cycling uh sort of expeditions or adventures but uh, will talk a little bit about that later and, uh, mm. and so that, but um I just want to start out from the beginning really so when you were a kid like did you always want to be an adventurer or was there other like sort of interest you had that potentially you wanted to do? Good question.
1: I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I was a kid. I was a bit lost actually, but what I did know was I really enjoyed going, being outside, and making camps and setting, like having little campfires and things. I'd always get in trouble for doing that and and going on little mini adventures. So that's always been something that I've been keen on doing. Um, But, yeah, when I was a teenager, I was pretty lazy. I got fired from jobs left, right and centre. I was a bit of a waster, to be be perfectly honest. It wasn't until a few years later that I sort of started, uh, that I fell in, quite literally fell into um, into a sort of a slightly different, living a different life um, after I had that motorcycle accident. And then I decided i was going to row a boat across the atlantic ocean because i've always had this crazy dream to try and do it so they kind of spurred on from there but i was in the scouts when i was young so i had good people encouraging me to sort of get outside and do things so yeah i was you know when i was a kid that was when it was cool to to build camps and stuff Mm. i don't know how cool it is now i'm a bit older but uh, that was something that i yeah. liked doing.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, cuz obviously um i believe you because you're a scouting ambassador, aren't you? Now.
1: Yeah, that's right. I'm a Hampshire scouting ambassador. I think as long with yeah. a couple of other ambassadors. So basically that just means uh every now and then I mean i was doing this before the, the whole kind of restrictions came in, but every yeah, now yeah. and then i would visit a scout group and and share some stories of fun and adventure and try yeah. and um answer any questions they had. And, and that's it's all fairly simple and you know um scouting yeah. is is has been very good to me and it's a very very good organization to be involved with for for any young yeah. person so i was really behind that i still am
0: yeah yeah no absolutely like i i was in the scouts as a kid i um yeah. i i did that did the whole thing the beavers cub scouts yeah, um, yeah. i also alongside that did army cadets as i've mentioned before and uh, as i said like, i was in the army for a lot, a bit you know for eight mm. years so i did I I was, I was in the army cadets as well but also, I used to juggle, you know, being at, at the time, I was pretty, you know, I was look, I was up in the top 30 or 40 runners in the country for my discipline, which is like middle distance, long distance. Um so I, I did that. And, you know, it's something like the scouts and, and cadets, army cadets, something that gives you them little kind of life lessons. Uh, and k- kind of like for people who, you know, I don't really have any strive to Uh, you know time to you know go out and do something i feel like the scouts and and and, you know cadets is something that i think all kids should do it's great like i know we come you know we we come from a generation where kids kind of sit on the computers and and play you know play video games and stuff Mm -hmm. like that i've said this before don't get me wrong you know there's some good things out there on social media and and video games and things like that obviously and everything in sort of in proportion or you know um but I think scouts cadets is something that all kids should do. Uh, so yeah, yeah that and that's good. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think um, I think that's a good thing to get into. Like, do you say you you were in the scouts when you was a kid?
1: Yeah, that's right. I was a Sea Scout. Um, okay. So yeah, I don't even know if Sea Scouts actually exist anymore. I think it's just the Scouts. uh yeah. um, yeah. But yeah, I was a Sea Scout for for a little while um yeah and uh yeah i really enjoyed it
0: yeah cool so um you mentioned it a li- <laughs> you mentioned it a little bit before um just briefly about obviously before you got into all your adventures and stuff like that um you know some people have like um a story to say like something that could have you know changed their life and made them think differently about life now obviously you mentioned before about your accident like for people that don't know is it to briefly sort of paraphrase what actually happened
1: yeah um i thought i was invincible as you do when you're in your 20s and um i used to ride motorcycles like a maniac i think i narrowly avoid killing myself numerous times Uh, but one particular time actually i got into racing in the end i moved away from riding bikes on the road and, and i moved into racing motorbikes on a circuit believe it or not it's actually a bit safer because you're not going to get run over when you, you yeah, come yeah. off the bike, or, or you shouldn't, or you hopefully you don't hit anything. Um, and uh, yeah, I just—it was one particular time I had quite a, quite a high speed crash, came off the bike at just over a hundred mile an hour. But usually you slide along the tarmac. But at this particular time, I tumbled and rolled, and, um, and I've, yeah, I just bit unlucky really i could have had that accident a hundred times over and got up and walked away from it but this one particular time i broke my legs and it's really badly dislocated and broke my ankle which was really it was that that actually caused the problem Uh, and then yeah i found myself in in hospital uh, for, for quite a long time and i remember the doctor saying to me listen I don't know if you're actually going to be able to walk properly again. I narrowly avoided, actually, um, some... The doctor, in order to save my my right sort of foot, uh, very nearly had to fuse the ankle altogether, so I would have lost all the movement, which would have been potentially made things a bit difficult. But I was so lucky. At the time I had the accident, there happened to be um, a really good probably one of the best orthopedic surgeons in the country, in the hospital at the time, and he operated on me. His name was Dr. Rossiter. There was two of them, Dr. Rossiter and Wilson. And uh, they, they kind of like bolted me all back together. And But they said, listen, you know, we need to set an expectation moving forward. You probably are gonna struggle with everything you do physically now. And that was a bit of a reality check because you don't know what you've got until it's sort of taken away from you as it were. And yeah. a lot of people yeah, yeah. take for granted the ability to get up every single day, run down the stairs, jump in the shower. And it's like when all of a sudden you that's not so simple anymore. uh Yeah, you start to realise it. And it, it, at that point, I sort of thought it was funny because I never, ever felt sorry for myself. I never, ever felt that down. I just sort of had this overwhelming feeling that I was probably somehow going to be OK. And uh, I, I felt like I needed something to aim for. And in my early, well, sort of in my mid to late teens, the idea of rowing across the Atlantic, I think I heard about some people doing it, sounded amazing to me, like what an adventure. And I used to probably watch too much Tintin, if I'm honest, when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, And I just thought I would love to, I was never a rower or anything. I never went to a school where there was rowing available. And I just thought I want to have a go at that, but I didn't really know where to start. And I kind of put it off and off and off. And I did research, but never really took that sort of jump and committed to doing it. Probably because I think I remember mentioning it to my parents, and they were like, "Don't be so stupid," or or, you know, or you sort of worry about what people think of you, and you don't know whether you can do it. And then I I remember lying in that bed, and the, the doctor was like. Hey man, I I don't know how good you reco- you, you, you're you're going to recover from this, but it was funny. It was almost like a, it was meant to be because everything became quite clear after that point. I thought to myself, <clears throat> I know what I'm going to do. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a recovery. I'm gonna do all my physio, so I can row a boat across the Atlantic Ocean. That's I, I didn't. And at that point, I didn't even know you could become a professional speaker. I didn't even know you could become sort of a professional adventurer. The idea of that was, I hadn't even entered my mind, but I became obsessed with this idea of rowing a boat across the Atlantic Ocean, so. And that's what I set out to do. I you usually do it as a two-man two or a four-man, but no one would join me for some reason, so I decided to do it <laughs> on my own. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, listen, I could talk to you all night, about about that but so if there's anything specific you want to ask me about it or I can just tell you about it. But yeah. 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 That's how it kinda oh.
0: happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so how long was it from when you had your accident to when you sort of got into a rhythm of do like not the actual event itself but like training again and like sort of like maybe going out for walks and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah.
1: Uh, So it took about six months to make a recovery to the point where I was up and around and walking around and stuff. And running was I couldn't really run because I had a lot of pain in the ankle, but I could row uh, without any real difficulty and I could ride my bike. So it took about six months to make a proper uh, to make a reasonably good recovery or as good as I was probably going to make. And then it kind of got to the hardest part and and it wasn't actually rowing the boat across the Atlantic at all. I would say the hardest part was actually getting to the start line because at the time I was working a full time, quite a busy job actually, a sales job. So it was a relatively sort of high pressure job. I had a target that I had to hit, had to, and the hours were sometimes quite long. Um, And so I was juggling this job and trying to run this campaign in the background on my own. You know, hustling for sponsorship and stuff. And I was very lucky actually. I managed to talk the company I worked into sort of sponsoring me they, they put a little bit of money in but you know i knew nothing i knew nothing about boats I, I, would, I, I had to go out and find people that had done this before and i managed to to find two gurkhas actually who, who gave me a bit of advice and i met a guy called anthony and he rode solo across and he just so happened to have a, a boat for sale um so he that's he was probably he was extra nice to me i think that's because he had, was trying to sell me yeah. this boat very very nice guy um and in the end i realized that i couldn't afford to get a brand new boat um that was like purpose built for a solo rower so i ended up buying anthony's boat off him which is a two-man boat um so it's a bit bigger heavier was a bit older but it, it would do the job it was solid and i remember i i was hustling for sponsorship for months and months and months but because i didn't really have anything to show for it i wasn't really getting anywhere um and i thought i need to do something drastic to to make something happen i need to take some kind of action and so i did something a bit crazy uh, i went to the bank and this was years ago when they were giving money to anyone and i said listen yeah. i want to buy a new car and they were like oh yeah how, how much do you need i said well probably i don't know 15 grand or so i, I and they were like, "Well, actually, the computer tells us we can give you more than that." And uh, I was like, "Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah." So I walked out of the bank, literally with twenty-two thousand pounds, and I didn't tell them that I was going to buy a second-hand ocean rowing boat because I didn't want to like, um, yeah, I didn't want to ruin my chances of getting the money when they say, "You're going to do what?" No, we're not giving you the money for that. Um, and I used that money to pay for the boat which I bought off Anthony. And then it's it's funny because. It, and I looked at that as a sort of um, burning my bridges if that makes any sense like once i'd spent that took out that loan and spent twenty two grand that i've i 've burnt the the bridge has gone behind me i 'm gone it 's yeah. happening there's no yeah. turning back, and actually that was probably the best thing that I did because once I physically got that boat, I towed that round to like different shows and events. I even had it outside of Twickenham for a rugby match. And I would just be like literally shaking a bucket touting for sponsorship. I was raising money for a children's charity as well, but I was also kind of like hustling for for sponsorship to help pay for it. And it it paid off. It really did. Um, because as soon as I had something to show people were like, you're going to do what in that? I'm like, yeah, that's where I sleep. That's where I row. This is the bucket where you go to the toilet. And they're like oh my god you you're you're out, you're out of your mind um yeah we we'll, we'll give you some money to do this and it yeah. all of a sudden started happening and then there was no going back after
0: that nah. um, uh that's what they said the once you've told yeah actually yeah once you've told <laughs> two people you have to kind of go with it then <laughs> that's what they that's the old saying yeah uh,
1: if once you've put yourself out there and you said right i am doing this the hardest thing is actually sort of taking the first step and like committing to doing something. And once you've committed and you've told people and you've either got a good response or, or you haven't, whatever, you've put it out there mm. that you're doing it, you'll feel like a weight is off your shoulders and it gets, it. Yeah. honestly, it gets easier. You may not know how to do something or there'll be various challenges that you're trying to overcome along the way, but it honestly gets easier.
0: Yeah, yeah. That- it's that I think that's that's the main point in it. You, you just got to keep being you know, persistent and things will obviously, maybe people will always struggle at the first hurdle. And then if they if they fail, a lot of people will just go right. nah, not nah, that's it. I'm not I, I can't be bothered with that. But as you yeah. say, you just got to be persistent, you got to keep going for it. If it's something you want to do, then you got to, you know, if you don't want it hard enough, or got, you know, you don't want it enough, then You know, what's the point in doing it in the first place? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was going to ask you. So, yeah, so when because you set off from one, is it the La Gomera, like the the it's one of the Canary Islands? So yeah, that's right. How how did you get it there?
1: So the boat was shipped there. It was put in a container. Right. Right. So yeah, it was put in a container and shipped there. So that was the part. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, Yeah, yeah. So obviously you went from. Obviously, from there, obviously, it was it 175 days. Was that 170 something days that it took you? I believe. Uh, 175
1: days was when I flew around the world. It took 110 oh. days, oh, right. four hours and four minutes. Not that I was counting, right?
0: Right. Yeah, <laughs> was, yeah, yeah. I
1: was out. Um, I was out there for a long time. It it, would, it doesn't usually take that long, but the year. Uh, In 2010, when I crossed the Atlantic, so the route will take you from Lagomero in the Canary Islands to Antigua in the Caribbean. It's a very simple downwind, what you call a trade wind route. So you're going to, if you're patient enough, you're going to get blown across probably. So it might take a long time, but the the currents and the winds will will take you to the Caribbean at some point. Yeah. Um, Yeah. If you row, you're going to get there a bit quicker. But there was the, the year yeah. that I crossed, uh, and there were other boats as well. Um, wasn't the fastest of years to cross. There were a lot of areas of low pressure, so that switches the wind direction basically. So instead of getting blown across, it was getting blown back, and it was that was really demoralising. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do. You can't get out of the boat and go home. It, that's it. You, you're there. You're committed. You've got, you've got to do it. And when you've when you're drifting backwards, I mean, there's things you can do. You can drop something called a para anchor, which is like yeah. a parachute that sits in the water, and then yeah. sort of it, it minimises your loss of ground. You can't drop an anchor yeah. to the bottom because it's three miles to the to the bottom. Yeah, so yeah, never that far from land. It's just the wrong way. Um, yeah, yeah. But when you're getting blown back, it's very demoralising um but when you're going the right way and you're being blown along it's the best place you could ever ever be like you wouldn't want to be anywhere else it's magical um yeah yeah i can can
0: imagine so what what was like your sort of daily routine while she was because obviously you you were by yourself
1: so i was yeah so my daily routine looked something like this i would wake up at about seven o'clock and then the first thing i would do is i would make a cup of tea Um, So I'd have a cup of tea. I had a tiny little cabin at the back. You can't stand up in there or anything. You can only really lie down. At the front of the cabin, I could sort of just about sit up and my head would be almost touching the ceiling. But that's where I slept. And that's where if if the weather got very, very bad, that's where you would go in and and close the hatch door. So I'd get up around seven, have some breakfast and a cup of tea, and then I'd get straight out. Um, What I would do is see how far I've drifted overnight. Sometimes you'd be drifting the right way because uh, the wind's taking you. Other times you would. It's, it was quite common to just sort of go, go around in circles, really. Um, every now and then you would uh, get you, you would drift backwards as well. Um, and then I would get on the oars and I'd row for four hours, four hours straight. Okay. It sounds like that's not that big a deal. But you have to remember, it's not like rowing on a rowing machine at the gym. You're not going hard. If you're out of breath and you're breathing heavy, you you can't sustain that. So you're literally just tapping the oars. um, You're just sort of steering the boat. And you're really just sort of enduring and surviving the environment, to be honest. Uh, So after my four hours, I would stop. It would be lunchtime. I would then have a dehydrated meal. And then I'll come back and do another four hours. Um, And then... After that, uh, I would stop, have something to eat, and then I would either do um, two hours or another four hours, and that would take me up to either uh, midnight or or just after, depending on how... I used to aim to row for 12 hours a day. Sometimes I hit that, sometimes I rowed for more, sometimes I rowed less, depending on how I felt. If it was a particularly good day... And I was flying along with really good wind and waves and conditions. I'd try and row till I just couldn't do it anymore. But what would happen is that would then affect you the next day and you could hardly do anything. So yeah. it worked out that if you paced yourself for around the 12 hours a day of seat time, actually pulling on the oars. For me, that, 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 that was really the limit of what I could do and sustain day in, day out. Uh, when you're not rowing you are either resting eating or or writing a blog or doing a little bit of maintenance on the boat and that's about it you have to keep the bottom of the uh, boat clean and smooth because you're traveling through the water quite slowly you get growth build up on the bottom and that can slow you down so you could only do this on a really calm day you'd actually get out of the boat and into the water to clean the bottom of the hole, because if that if you kept the boat of the boat clean and you gained just half a knot, that may not seem like much, but that half a knot over every hour over every day over every week can actually become quite significant, um, so it was all about little details and keeping a good routine going. So that helped. actually getting in the water in the middle of the Atlantic was like crazy. It was also really warm as well. So it was like a hot yeah. bath. The water was beautifully clear blue and you'd look down. It was, it was just stunning. There was wildlife everywhere. Fish swimming around whales, uh, fin whales. There were also sharks, oceanic white tip sharks. They were very fascinating creatures. I never got in the water when I could knew that they were around. Yeah. Um, but one day, something crazy happened to me. I was scraping the bottom of the hole, and this little fish, probably about this big, it was a brightly coloured, uh, actually bit me on the nipple. I couldn't believe it. It didn't really hurt. Yeah. It was the shock of it. It was like, it was like someone pinched me. Um, so that was quite an interesting experience that I doubt will happen again. Yeah. Um, Flying fish, they really do fly. I was hit in the face by one. They have little wings. They really do fly. They're incredible creatures, <laughs> yeah. big giant turtles. Um, yeah, it was just amazing. And you know, when you're out there in the middle of the Atlantic and you know, you look up at night, the stars are amazing. If it's a clear night, if it's a, if it's a cloudy night and the moon isn't out, it will be, it will be a darkness that you've never experienced before. Like you, you yeah. won't see your hand in front of your face. It's that dark. And, and that's quite interesting. At no point was I ever really scared as such. There were a few moments on, on particular nights where it was quite rough and the waves. The problem that you've got at night when it's dark, you don't know. You, you can be disorientated. And you can hear the waves coming, but you don't quite know where they're going to hit from. And so basically you know, a large wave would hit the boat and you just inevitably get soaked. It's a bit colder at night as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember there was one particular night where I was rowing uh, and I was just kind of like a bit out of my comfort zone if I'm honest. And my grandfather passed away just before I was about to row across the Atlantic and I wanted him to live long enough to see me complete it, but he didn't and I was like oh, that's, that's a shame. So I put his name on the boat, and his name was Rocky Rochelle. And there was one particular night where I just felt a bit out of my comfort zone, to be honest. I was cold, I was tired, I was a bit scared, and I was rowing along, pitch black as well. And all of a sudden, this overwhelming feeling of warmth, happiness, content, just just came over me. And it was almost as if someone I felt like a presence as if someone was sat next to me, it was crazy, never experienced this in my life. And I never looked actually to look at was there someone there? I just kept looking forward. And I just kept rowing. And it was it was magical. And um, yeah. I don't know, I, maybe maybe there were people looking down yeah. at me. And I'll tell you something yeah. really interesting. I had a special system on the boat that When I was sleeping at night, you just let the boat drift. Um, And so I had a system on the boat that would uh, uh, sound an alarm if a big commercial vessel was coming towards me or got too close. So every night when I thought this alarm system was working and I was completely safe because it's going to go off and wake me up, when I arrived in Antigua, I realised and found out that it never worked from day one.
0: Oh, wow.
1: So I don't know, maybe there was someone looking over me at night. Uh, that was quite yeah, yeah. interesting, but it was, I'll tell you a little bit more about it because it was quite interesting because I was really nervous when I set off, um, I thought I'd bitten off way more than I could chew. And mentally I was looking, you know, you, you naturally start looking for a get out of jail card. And so, cause as soon as you step out of your comfort zone, uh, any human being won't want to be there anymore. And so you start looking for excuses of how could I get out of this without losing face, without losing credibility, without looking stupid. And then you kind of realise that you kind of can't. And I remember before I set off, I spoke to a guy. He'd sailed around the world a few times. He was really experienced. And he said, if you can survive the first three days, you will be able to survive for three months. It's all in your head out there. And I remember I put, when I pushed off and, and got going, the reality of actually how hard it was to, to, to pull the boat along when it's fully loaded with all the supplies and stuff. And I was looking at my speed thinking, oh my God, the boat's not moving as fast as I thought it's gonna move. At this rate, it's gonna take half a year. Oh, this is crazy. And, but I don't know what it was. I just kept telling myself, get to, the, get to three days, get to three days, get to three days. And I got to those three days And all of a sudden it was like a little bit of a weight off my shoulders. I wasn't still, wasn't making particularly good progress, but I was doing it. And all of a sudden the rockiness of the boat, you don't notice it anymore. And it becomes normal. It's like you and I walking around now, it just becomes normal. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, all I've got to do is get to the halfway point. If I can get to the halfway point, uh, by default, I'm closer to where I want to be than where I've left. And as you get closer, the currents get a little bit stronger. It starts to pull you into the Caribbean. And so that's that's really what I wanted to do. Now, long story short, I got to the halfway point and then I was like in my mind, something clicked. And I knew for a fact I was going to finish this road. Um, And then when I got to within 24 hours of Antigua, I didn't want it to end. It was odd. I didn't want it to end. I remember I could see a red flashing light on the horizon, which was a, a, on a light on top of a radio mast on top of a hill. That's how I could see it so far out. And I, I turned on this little FM radio that I had, and all of a sudden it started playing this like reggae, reggae kind of raga, Caribbean music. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I've done it. I've done it. I'm, I'm going to do it. And, and it's strange, you know, I arrived in, in Antigua english harbour the next day and it was magical it was it happened to be antigua race week as well so there was people everywhere and and it was it it was absolutely crazy my parents weren't actually there though because their flight was cancelled due to the volcanic ash that was spewed up into the air from that volcano that erupted in iceland yeah in in iceland grounded all the flights around the world so my parents weren't even there um, but the word kind of got out about that around the island, and I had the most insane, like, welcoming uh,
0: yeah.
1: committee, path whatever. Didn't really know anyone. It was crazy. But one of the things I, I kind of realised was I spent that entire time out there just wishing it away, thinking, I've got to get there, I've got to get there, I've got to get there. And I didn't really... You don't enjoy the journey. It's... Mm. There's a saying and that is, it's not the destination, it's the journey. And as you yeah. know, I've been on many journeys and that, 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 that's hundred percent accurate. You know, when, once yeah. you rode across the Atlantic, I had this idea that somehow the rest of my life, I was going to be floating on air and it's going to be amazing. You're going to be eternally happy for the rest of your life and yeah. everything is just going to fall to your feet. Well, actually the reality is that that doesn't happen. You're on, you're on a bit of a cloud for a few days. It feels amazing, but then the novelty wears off. It's like no one asks you anything about it anymore. It's done. It's yeah. forgotten. It's history, and then you're like, yeah, yeah. Oh. and then you realise, oh, I've achieved this Herculean feat, which I thought my life would be incredible after this, and I don't feel any different. It's it's odd. It yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, but it's, it's, it was amazing. Uh, it was probably, I mean, it was the first adventure that I'd ever really embarked on I didn't really have a clue what I was doing but you learn, you've got to start somewhere you've got to learn and and, um, there was a lot of support out there, like other rowers who had rowed across and it's actually, once you get out there and you start doing it, as long as you you are sensible it can actually be de-risked quite a bit by doing yeah. certain things and, and sticking to routines and sticking to discipline discipline like routine is your best friend out there because you lose track of the days the time it all just blends into one but i stuck to, to quite a, a strict routine and that helped me so, so routine would be your best friend uh, yeah out, absolutely out But yeah, again, I could talk to you for hours about being out there. Uh, But I'll tell you something really interesting. I put it off for years. And when I got out there, it didn't take long for me to realise, oh, this is not as difficult as I thought. I'm I'm here doing it. Why did I put this off for so many years? And it's you you build up this idea that it's going to be really difficult and oh, I better put it off till next year. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And it's like, well, your so-called planning has turned into complete procrastination. You're better off just going and doing it. And I I could have rode the Atlantic years and years before I did. But I guess it was meant to be uh, having that accident. It all kind of just that was my destiny, perhaps. But it certainly opened my mind up. To just, if you want to do something, go and do
0: it. Yeah, absolutely. I always say to people, like, it's, like, people always say, oh, I'm waiting for that perfect moment or that perfect that, opportunity. That doesn't exist. It, doesn't it doesn't exist, exist no. It's, you you, you've, got create, it. yeah, you've got to create, yeah, you've got exactly. You've Indeed. got to create that perfect opportunity. Because <laughs> things don't, <laughs> yeah. things don't come on, you know, they don't just land on your, you know, land on your lap and what have you. You've no, got to go no, out no there and just create that No one is going to knock on
1: your door and say, listen, no. I heard you want to row across the Atlantic. Well, here's a bunch of cash, go and do it. Like, that yeah, isn't yeah. going to happen. That's not. But actually, happen. as soon as you start putting yourself out there, you'll be amazed at what comes back. When you think you're not inspiring anyone, or you when you think what you're doing is not making a difference, or what you're doing is having no impact, it actually does. You just don't realize. You just don't see the efforts, the rewards, yeah, yeah. For your efforts at the time, and you'll, it, it comes, it comes to you. Yeah. So, but that's all I've wanted. Yeah, no, that's... I wanted. I had no desire after that to do anything else. But then the strange yeah, yeah. things happened. I met other like-minded people. And, yeah. and then the rest is history.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. It's, but then also the year after, obviously, so mm. that was in 2010. Was it 2011 is when you went and did Mount Everest? Yeah. So that was really that must, lucky. That, yeah.
1: sorry, that all came off the back of rowing across the Atlantic. Because I met someone yeah. who was also rowing across the Atlantic. His name was Rob. We just became like quite good friends, really. We just sort of clicked. And he said, look, after, after the Atlantic, do you, want to come, do you want to climb Everest? And I'm like, Pfft. I've always had an interest in mountains and things, but I, I, I didn't think that I'd be able to. And all of a sudden, here I was, and I sort of say to kids, listen, if you push yourself outside of your comfort zone, doors of opportunity will just sort of naturally open. I think that's kind of what happened, really. Uh, I met other like-minded people and all of a sudden this opportunity came up that I never expected. And it's like there's got to be an action to get a reaction. And Absolutely. Uh, I got lucky. I, I, I had this opportunity to go out to Everest. But, boy, that was difficult getting out to the start line on that. I had to raise yeah. all the funds for that. I sold the boat when I got home to some other lunatic uh, to yeah, yeah. clear down the debt that I had on it I actually yeah. came out of the row uh, I think I think I had about five grand's worth of debt for the row yeah. but considering the experience I had it was you know you'd pay that for a luxury cruise mine was a bit more hardcore um, <laughs> yeah. and yeah it was it was amazing and then yeah so I had this so there I was I was like fresh back kind of, you know, hyped up that I'd rode across the Atlantic <laughs> the novelty wears off quick, but you know, it's okay. Yeah. And so I thought, surely I'm going to be able to get sponsored. This is going to be easy, right? Yeah. Oh my goodness. It was the complete opposite. So I put this sponsorship package together again. I was raising money for a great, uh, children's charity. And I thought I'm going to get, I'm easily going to get sponsored. I've, I've just, I've got the credibility of having rode across the Atlantic. Surely I'm going to get sponsored. Pfft, nothing. Um, I sent literally thousands of emails out I didn't get anywhere um, it was it was particularly difficult and then again I had to do something a little bit crazy because I was working a full-time job and I was like staying up until sometimes two or three o'clock in the morning sending emails out and then getting up and going to work the next day and you can only sustain that for a short amount of time before you, your your body and your brain just kind of shuts down and you can't do it anymore. I was falling asleep at work and people were going yeah. crazy at me. So I thought, you know what? Someone once said to me, take as many risks as you can when you're young because that's the best time to do it. Yeah. And that kind of stuck with me. And I thought, hmm, I don't have a family to support, so that does go, you know, that that's a positive And I thought, I don't have a huge amount of overheads as such. So I actually moved, I quit my job and moved back in with my parents to reduce my bills. That then gave me the capacity to work full time on trying to raise the money to get out to Everest. But it was really tight because I still had to earn money. And I remember this. I was crazy. It was crazy. In the the evenings, I was delivering Chinese food. Just to bring some money in, You I got yeah, paid yeah. very, very little. But in the daytime, I was going into London, meeting CEOs of like multi-million-pound companies, trying to tout for sponsorship. And and in, and I, in the end, I actually did get sponsored by by Nando's. It's a crazy story <laughs> how that okay. happened. I actually um, had given up all hope. I'm uh, embarrassed to say of actually being be, getting sponsored. And it all came, it was the last email that I sent. And I didn't think anything was going to come of it, but I sent it anyway. And um, after that, a spiral of sort of sponsorship just came in. And uh, and in the last, like, week, I got the money to to get out to Everest. I had, like, a week left. I'd spent, like, almost six months trying to raise the money. And it it came together. The one thing that I learned is you can never, ever say I've tried everything. Because if you've tried everything, you will simply have what it is that you want or you'll be where it is that you want to be. Yeah, um, yeah. And you know, the time, the thing that I sort of, the main takeaway that I got from all the, the, the sponsorship disappointment and the effort it took to, 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 get this money was the time that you, cause I wasn't going to send the email to Nando's, but I something, mm. some, something just told me to do it. The yeah. time that you can't be bothered to do something, but you make the effort to do it that will be when good things happen for you. And it, when you feel motivated and you feel like doing it, everything in life is easy. Everything. I think sort of what determines how successful someone is is do they have the ability to keep doing those things they know they need to do, but they don't feel like it. They can't be bothered. Yeah, and I don't know yeah. what it was. Something just told me no matter how I felt, I would still take the action required to try and get me that the money that I needed and I got it in the end and so yeah and then oh, Everest was difficult man that was for me that was physically really hard the people yeah. out there I met were incredible I I've I've been back many times and I have wonderful memories but what made it a little bit harder for me is I actually picked up a lung infection at base camp so yeah, I yeah. ended up summiting and climbing to the top and, and descending with bloody pneumonia. But I didn't yeah. know that I had it at, at the time yeah. until I got home. And uh, I was really in a bad way. I was struggling to breathe. Um, and I remember flying back into Heathrow and just being taken, didn't even go home, just went straight to the hospital. And that's when I found out that I had the the lung infection. But Everest was, was amazing. Again, um, you know you get to the top and for me standing on top of the world it wasn't this kind of yee i've conquered it moment i was so out of it i was just knackered i knew where yeah, i was yeah. but i was struggling with the lack of oxygen so my brain wasn't working particularly well and I, my, I, my feelings and emotions were just numb i um All I wanted to do was get back. I had to take the first thing I had to do was take all the flags out, like the Nando's flag, the DHL flag, and get all those pictures because without them I wouldn't have been there. And I and I did. And then after that I just wanted to get back down. But it it sort of started going wrong for me on the way back down. That was when um, I just I was was finding it really difficult to to breathe. And um, that's probably the closest I've ever come to. Being in a situation where I didn't know if I was going to get off that mountain, yeah. and I tell you what, it usually takes about two days to get from the summit back down to base camp. It took me twice as long. It took me a bit longer. And I, I thought I knew what being tired and fatigued is really like. I mean, I'd rode the Atlantic, so you know, I had, was relatively well qualified to say, yeah, I know, I know a bit about pushing the body, but. Yeah, yeah coming down off everest was took me to another place i've never ever been to before and actually i've never been back to a place like that that was on another level when you you'll be amazed at what you can do when you think that there is no option but to either keep going or simply die (laughs) you'll be amazed at what the body can do for you um yeah absolutely and so yeah i managed to to get back down. And it, but it was only really that concept of, cause I was, my Sherpa was going crazy. He was saying, you're moving really slow. I'm really worried about you. But I knew in my mind, if I just kept moving slowly, cause don't forget moving towards something slowly is a lot better than not moving at all. Uh, exactly. I thought I'll yeah, be all yeah. right. And it was that concept of just keep going, never, ever stop. Cause a lot of people when you don't have to be descending Everest, But whenever someone in their life experiences some really extreme difficulties, some adversity, something's gone wrong, they've been upset or a bad thing has happened. uh, Most human beings are programmed to just stop. But that's actually the worst thing you can ever do. If you keep going, you'll be surprised at how you can find a way around something or through something. Um, And the problem will often sort itself out. So yeah absolutely, yeah. Everest, Everest taught me a few. Again, I could talk to you for hours about what it's like. Yeah, yeah. We probably need to move on, but it was <laughs> it was wonderful. I met loads of great people. Nepal is my favourite country. I loved it.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it's like you say though. Like it's good to sort of. Uh, I always, I've said this before, but I tell kids like, you know, I'd, we've all had our own sort of ups and downs. You know, especially yeah, when it yeah. comes to sort of mental mental health, which is what I talk a lot about. Obviously, I can't say I've been in every situation. You know, I've not been in you know you know parents splitting up or you know, I, you know I've been in the you know I've struggled with exams and stuff like that. Uh, mm. in, you know, in the aspects of sort of talking to children. But what I can say is that I've struggled and suffered. Now, mm. I always tell people, if you're suffering, then there's always going to be someone who's been in that situation somewhere yeah. in the world somewhere there's got to be um but the problem is people who suffer are the ones that are sort of called go down quite rapidly because you want to try and get yourself out of that sort of hole of suffering because otherwise this is mm. going to get deeper and deeper so the best thing to do is like you say is just to keep moving and keep going or keep looking at something else or get help or whatever it may be because mm. Like you say, if you stand still and do nothing at all, in whatever aspect it might be, and whatever you, you know, what you did, or people that are struggling with other illnesses or whatever it may be, if you just stand still, it is inev- inevitably going to get worse and it's going to get to a point where it could be fatal. And that's why I say to, to to a lot of people, you know, like I, I was lucky that, going off of a, you know, slightly different subject, but when I was... Uh, when I left the military, as most people know, I became an alcoholic Mm -hmm. and I didn't know that. Okay. No. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and so I, you know, I, I, I used to drink a lot and I mean a hell of a lot. Um, and I think if I had kept going and going and going, I'd probably either probably replacing my liver or whatever it or kidneys right now, Mm. I'd probably have the kidneys and liver of someone twice my age, or I'd probably be dead. You know, from yeah. the, from sort of the effects of what it can do to you. Now, I, I decided then that it was a good idea to stop drinking. I, I I think my niece was getting a bit older, you know, and I thought to myself, you know, what kind of uncle could I be if she's just watching me, every, you know, every morning I'm getting up. And some most of the time I was still, you know, intoxicated from the night before. And, and sometimes I'd probably just be getting in it when she's getting up. You know, and I just thought to myself, "Well, it's time to sort of stop." And do you know what? It's it's people have asked this asked this before. I actually stopped literally overnight. Like, mm. it, I don't know how. I can I can't actually explain how that happened. But I literally yeah, you, stopped. Well, drinking you just, you made a decision. Yeah,
1: and everyone and, is but, one decision away from completely changing their life.
0: Exactly. You were and lucky, really, to
1: make it. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. And I can honestly say that stopping drinking has changed the way I am now. And mm. something I talk about, uh, which is something you might be able to, uh, you know, be able to sort of get to A lot, yeah. is, yeah, so for for me, I, I feel that adventure, or not adventure, but just the outdoors, sport, things like that is great for the mind, great for the mind. Um, so
1: yeah, it releases I, I, endorphins. Exactly,
0: exactly. And that's, that's what I was saying before about, you know, kids staying in on the computer games, you know, locked in their rooms and stuff like that. And as, again, I've said this before, it's good in moderation. It's, you know, it's good in certain sort of, for certain, you know, you don't want to be on it all night, but at the same time, being outside as can do wonders. And
1: mm-hmm. I was
0: thinking like when you doing, you know, we're, obviously we talk about a couple of more in a bit, but when, say for instance, when you were. Uh, on the Atlantic swim, uh, sorry, Atlantic row. Yeah. Um, did, at any point, did you think, like, think, like, how, how the hell am I going to end up doing this? Because obviously you're by yourself, and I'm sure it's sometime you may have felt a bit negative, of yeah. you know, feeling or thought negative. Like, was there any time you thought, well, I can't do this anymore?
1: I took it one day at a time. I made a conscious effort to never, ever... Look at crossing the Atlantic, which don't forget, 3,000 miles, it's quite a long way to row a boat. I never yeah, looked yeah. at it as a whole, I only looked at it one day at a time. And the more days that <clears throat> I spent in the boat, the sort of stronger my mindset got, if I'm honest. There were times when I thought, Oh my god, well, because you, your mind starts playing tricks on you, that's the problem, and you start talking to yourself, talking yourself into all sorts of awful, silly scenarios that are probably never going to happen but it was so hard to get to the start line and so many people turned me away because they didn't want to help me only a few did companies helped me and I I decided that I was no matter what I was never going to let them down and I was never going to let my parents down and I was never ever ever going to let those kids down who I was raising money for and before I yeah. left, I said to my parents, I'll never stop. I'll never, ever stop. If the boat sinks, I'll get in the life raft and just drift. I'm not coming home until I've done it. Mm. Now, in reality, had the boat sank, yeah, of course I wouldn't have been in the life raft drifting. That wouldn't have happened for <laughs> yeah. yeah. in real life. But in my mind, I was so convinced that I was going to do it that I'd kind of condition my mindset that, that there was no other outcome. Um, and when I did get sort of down or fed up and my mind started playing tricks on me instantly, I would nip that in the bud by thinking about mm. trying to think about positive things. I would pick up the satellite phone and call my parents. They'd often tease me about the nice food that they were eating and all the crap yeah, i yeah. got. Um, <laughs> but that kind of helped. Um, and I just kept reminding myself i i want to be here and so, sometimes sort of fulfilling a dream uh is it's possible but it's quite hard at the same time as well it can be um so i kind of like kept reminding myself if this was easy everyone would be doing yeah. it it's yeah, not exactly. Exactly. Um, and so i had I, I i when i went through periods of struggling i would try and draw on fond memories that I had with my, I'm very close to my parents and my brother and and that. And so I would think of fond memories and I'll tell you the key thing that helped me. I, I was every day I would write down something that I'm looking forward to doing after the row. So every day I was getting closer to something new. And, um, as if, so I had a reason to finish. I had a reason to keep going. Um, and so I was able to kind of deal with those mental demons, if you like, relatively well, because I really wanted uh, to be there. And sometimes it's, it's difficult because sometimes people say they want to do something. And then the second it gets a little bit difficult, they, they, they stop. They don't want to do yeah. it anymore. And then you could argue, well, did you really want it? Or, or not and I, I i was very lucky i really wanted to do this i think had someone if someone had come along and just gave me all the money in the very first instance and i didn't have to work for for this boat and and the whole campaign that i put together yeah. i think i don't think it would have had as much meaning i don't think i would have been as focused and as determined and in the scenario like that I could see how you could probably give up or just not want to do it anymore. Um, yeah, yeah. So because I'd put all that effort in, it, it, it felt better. It just, it was enjoyable. Um, but yeah, no, there were times when I sort of struggled a bit, but I, I, I'll tell you, I'll talk about something just very quickly. And that is, I call it staying on an even keel. Okay. I, I learned that out in the Atlantic, the wind changes every day. Now sometimes it's going to blow you where you want to go, sometimes it's going to blow you back. And I started to notice a pattern that actually as soon as I was getting really down and fed up because I was getting blown back, more often or not the next day the wind would change and it would start blowing me the right way. And so I kept telling myself when you're going backwards or you're not in a good place or you feel that things are against you, just don't get too agitated. Don't get too stressed. Don't read into it too much because the wind will change the next day. Sure as shit, it always did. Yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I think, you know, because a lot of people ask me about what I thought about out there. How did I stay focused? And just, you, you've got to just take it one day at a time. And th- it's, tomorrow's a new day. You don't know what it's going to bring in. Do, do, absolutely. You know, it may be a bad day, but it may yeah. be an amazing day. So yeah, exactly. You have to sort of have that hope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you're still exactly. breathing, you know, when you wake up, that is a new day to have a go at something new, or to kick a habit, or to apply for that job, or get down that gym, or whatever it is. You know. Yeah. yeah only really. Absolutely. You know, only things only really come to an end when that's it. When you. When you uh, when you die, that's it. You have got no more chance. Yeah, exactly. But if you're still Absolutely. breathing, you yeah. can. There it's, is still it, a it chance still for you going. To, to to become the person that you want to be. Yeah,
0: whatever, exactly. And, or and should be one thing. I think like it's, a, it's quite a common uh, for the from the people I've into uh, or chatted to interviewed on the podcast. There's a very common sort of theme, which is uh, they always strive to a goal. Like yes. when keeping when keeping positive. Like you saying you're doing it for you know when you keep your family proud or you want to make sure that you don't disappoint the children or the charity that you were doing it for there's obviously very much a theme in which you know striving towards a goal keeps someone going and again i've said this before about everyone i've spoke to has pretty much just said the same thing um now i just want to bring on to the sort of the next sort of one of the ones I've, I know you've done quite a few over the years, but the next one I would like to bring up, which forms part of your, uh, your ultimate triathlon, which we'll talk about at the end, um, which is the world cycle. Now, yeah. you cycled 18,000 miles around the world. That's, yeah. that's. now, I don't want to say too much, but when I cycled a view, 18,000 miles would have seemed like absolutely impossible at that time. But yeah, how was it, it in reality? Something-
1: Something would have happened. Um, it would have got easier and easier. Um, mm. The first few days are always the hardest. So yeah, you, yeah. Could, you could have easily carried on. Um, yeah. It was incredible. I didn't really know what to expect. I had this kind of goal, this idea, this vision to, to cycle around the world. But I would also stop off and give talks in schools uh, because yeah. I really enjoyed doing it. Kids, for some reason, kids would listen to me. I enjoyed doing it. I'm a bit of a kid myself, so perhaps that's why they connect with me quite well. And um, it was amazing. The the cycling was by far the easiest part of it, by the way. Uh, What was difficult was I was unsupported. So there was no one in a car driving next to me, buying me McDonald's and fixing my punches when everything went wrong. You've got to do all that yourself. And that, that sort of adds another dynamic, another level to it. Um, physically you get fit really really quickly um, mm. and, and then you actually I think about three months in I was probably as fit as I was ever going to get and then I didn't yep. really sort of get much fitter after that um, but it was, uh, it was the people I was meeting the kindness that was bestowed on me people, people just welcomed me into their homes uh, lots of crazy things happened I met a guy in Phoenix who I stayed with he said, "Oh, I've never been to England before. I'm going to come and see you finish in London." And I thought, "Yeah, right." And who was there standing at the, the finish line? Really? It, it was his name was Bob. Yeah, a wonderful guy. Just complete crazy. strangers met, that I randomly met would uh, let me stay with them. The, some of the schools that I stayed in, uh, I, you know, India was just incredible. Um, I'll, I will be playing forward favors for the rest of my life. I mean, I could yeah. talk to you about the technicalities of what bike I used and this and that and my average mileage. But actually, in that's just, deep, that, just this technical detail. What was incredible yeah, yeah. was how amazing human beings are in terms of it doesn't really matter what country you're from or what language you speak or what religion you, you practice or what skin colour you have. Honestly, 99% of human beings that walk the face of this earth are kind, caring, generous. They want to help you. And that and that really, I loved that. That, that for me was amazing. And actually yeah. cycling around the world made me realise how much more of the world I still want to see and mm. I, the places that I still want to go. Um, and I would, there's probably no reason for me to but I would love to do it again. Um, yeah, okay. yeah, it was, it was just absolutely amazing. You probably want? Did you want to ask so, me? Should I tell you about the route or anything?
0: Or I was going to ask you actually. You were saying about um, we talk. You talk about ninety nine percent of the people who mm-hmm. were, you know, you know, obviously, I was obviously great and helped you along the way. But did you ever have that one percent? Like, was there any places you went to and you just didn't? They did just not. Connect or did they didn't yeah, like was, you at all. That's
1: a really interesting question. I'd, I'd like to think that they, it wasn't the fact that they disliked me, but you never know. There yeah. was a time when I was in India um, and I was camping, it was really late at night, like one or two o'clock in the morning. But it was boiling hot as well, don't forget, so you, it's, mm. you can sleep out. So I was sleeping, trying to sleep at the side of the road, and I saw these lights, like a flashlight flashing in the mm. distance. But then they were getting closer, and then I realised that they uh, were coming towards me. And, and basically, it was two, in, two local farmers, or whoever they were, I'm not quite sure, they got really agitated with me being there. But because I don't speak their dialect of Indian, and they don't speak English, we were unable to communicate. And very quickly, the situation escalated. And the guy who I, basically was pointing a gun at me. it was quite serious. Oh. So at that point, I realised, though, I, obviously it's probably a good time for me to go. Um, so I got on my bike and, and left. And, and, and actually, I was really nervous. So I actually left my—I had like a, a rest like an inflatable roll-up. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. on, so I just left it and just—I just got my bike and was gone. Um, but I believe communication's power, and when you can't communicate, you're, you're in—you're going you're to find yourself in a, a difficult position. And i think if we had been able to communicate and i'd said to that guy listen i'm cycling around the world and just knackered i'm just resting i almost guarantee you he would have invited me back to his house and said yeah stay here have dinner yeah yeah But because we were unable to communicate that's when it so that 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 was a challenging situation aside from that i didn't have any other real issues um it was yeah it was amazing
0: that's that's awesome so when, when you did that, the, um, obviously, there's a lot of uh, crossings, I would say. Did you, for instance, did you find it difficult getting crossings into certain countries or in certain places? No, I had
1: uh, all my visas and things um, lined up yeah. before I left. Um, there wasn't really that many visas, to be honest. I was going to route through Iran and Pakistan, but due to some yeah. complications... Quite late on, I ended up actually flying across Iran and Pakistan uh, okay. into India. Uh, so my route was basically Greenwich Park, uh, d- down to Dover, across on the, the ferry uh, to northern France, Belgium, Netherlands, Germany, Czech Republic, Poland, Ukraine, Romania, Bulgaria, Turkey. Uh, and then I, f- I flew to um, well, I flew to Delhi. And then I sort of cycled all around India, really, all over the place. But I ended up down in Sri Lanka. I had to hop across to Sri Lanka. I cycled a lap of Sri Lanka. Uh, Then I flew back to Mumbai, sorry, to Bangalore, where I gave a couple of talks in some schools. And then from there, I actually flew to Bangkok. Then I came down through Thailand, Malaysia, Singapore. Then I flew to Perth and then cycled across the famous Nullarbor Plain. So basically the outback. People said I was crazy cycling across yeah. the Nullarbor. They said, you're going to get killed. It's a terrible world's worst road. None of these people who, these people who were saying that, and they'd never been there. Um, yeah, and, yeah. You know, when I got yeah. out there, it, it wasn't anywhere near as bad as I was expecting it to be. In fact, actually people were pulling over saying, you know, wow, what can we do to help you? Do you want any food or water? And there were these huge road trains. And actually, they were really yeah, good. Yeah. They, they, they pulled right over. They gave me loads of room and never had a, a problem. Um, yeah. And, yeah, you know, it's, you've got to be careful because people have a terrible habit of telling you what they think you should or shouldn't be doing. And they yeah. usually are well-meaning individuals who aren't actually trying to deny you of anything. But um, you've got to you've got to be careful who you listen to. You know, if someone is strongly advising you against something, you've got to ask the question: Well, have you done what I'm trying to do? What qualifies you to tell me that this is wrong? So you need to yeah. you need to be careful who you take advice
0: from. <laughs> There's a lot of yeah, uh, yeah, so-called you... experts out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I get, I get that. I get that. Um, so did you do you have any countries or places that you visited that you'd definitely go again or places where they treated you really well
1: america was amazing every country was great i mean there's some countries i just passed through and i didn't really get to experience that much but australia was good Uh, india was amazing sri lanka was wonderful some of the some amazing cycling was down through asia so um um, malaysia Uh, once i went to singapore that was it i flew from there Uh, But I spent a lot of time in America. In fact, I've actually cycled across America twice because I cycled across America in preparation for the World Cycle. And I've been really lucky. Um, uh, Yeah, I mean, I've never, ever, ever touched wood. Never had a bad experience out there. I mean, everyone that I've come in contact with has been really friendly, supportive. It's a big place, though. That's good. Uh, I mean, it's like five countries in one. It's, it's yeah compared
0: to us it is yeah it's the same with australia <laughs> so yeah is that when i spoke to dave the other week i spoke to dave and uh yeah he skateboarded he was across saying... australia it's
1: crazy
0: he did he, he skateboarded mean? yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah that's, that, that's cool. why when you mentioned that it's it's, it's, mm. it's quite it's, yeah yeah um now i just want to move on to 2016. now 2016 was really important i think because that's uh the year you met me so <laughs> Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was yeah no so we like so as i mentioned earlier like uh we met in 2016 and uh i actually joined you for a little bit of one of your trips uh when you circumnavigated or cycled around the circumference of the uk yeah um, yeah now i wasn't supposed to be doing like, that d- by the way yeah. really yeah. really no because yeah, I, try... I remember not i remember that. when um yeah because i know i knew when because obviously by that point You'd become uh, a figure, let's say, a public figure, you know, in adventure world, and obviously I started taking note of what you were doing, and and I felt you know quite interested in what you were doing, as I mentioned earlier. Stuff you know I'd love to do myself, and um, obviously I I will be honest, I thought you know maybe I could see if I could join him for a little bit, and you know I'm, I'm really pleased that you you, you know you, you let me come with you for what for me was quite a long way down, like. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we cycled from where I live here to uh to Lancaster. Uh it's about 35-40 miles. Now, to most sort of cyclists, that's not that's not a people cycle that to work some probably. But for me, that was a that was a big cycle for me because I'm not a cyclist, you know. I'm mm. I, I play rugby, you know. So and, and cycling's not my strong point. And as I mentioned earlier, like I I, I felt really guilty sometimes because I feel like, cause you were like, obviously you were smashing out hundred plus miles a day, I think, weren't you? And yeah, and like I was,
1: I'd i been doing that for, I'd already circled around the world. I, I When I met you, I'd yeah. already been on the road for quite a while. So I'd built up my yeah. endurance and sort of stamina again. So it was easy for me cause I've been doing it every day. So it was harder for you.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was quite hard. And, and yeah. but at the same time, like I, I felt kind of like at ease like i'd I'd like to think I hope'd I like you didn't I didn't keep you back at all because no, you still not
1: at all. I was in no rush
0: no yeah yeah, yeah. and and I, you know that's that's obviously how we met so for people that don't know that's that's how that's how we met um now where're about to you start and finish with that
1: So I started and finished in a place called Langstone Harbor, down near okay. Havens, because that's where the charity Based base that I cite. So okay. there's a bit of a backstory to why I ended up cycling around Britain. I never intended to do it, but I tried to yeah. work on a project to row a boat around Great Britain. And basically yeah. I failed. I, I was a little okay. bit unwell. I had to get out of the boat. I mean, I had to start again, but then it was too late in the season. And for one reason or another, it just, that just, it just didn't work. Um, so I was like, oh my goodness. I feel like I've still got to do something um really just to redeem myself from this sort of other project that didn't really work and I said I would do this for the charity and I was like well I tried to row around Britain but it actually that didn't work out um and I thought well one thing that I know I should be able to do is to cycle around Britain so it's not quite what it's not the same as what I wanted to do but at least I'm doing yeah. something um so that's how, why I ended up doing it. In fact, that was the project was thrown together in like a week. I just literally looked at Google maps. was oh, really? like, right. Yeah. Here, here, here. That'll do. Like, I hadn't booked anything. I was just, I was yeah. literally cycling about a hundred miles a day, turning up somewhere and looking for somewhere to stay. <laughs> and then yeah. I, would, I just yeah, repeated yeah. that. And i tell you what, it was quite a challenging ride because people don't realize the UK is actually very hilly when you're going around mm-hmm. the coast. Um, yeah. And it, yeah, it was quite hard but it was it was good actually I really enjoyed it it was kind of like what I needed really yeah yeah because I'd just so, come off the back of something sort of not really going my way I had some sort of quite serious disappointment and so keeping going and just doing something to to stay busy and to stay focused really helped me
0: yeah yeah so do you feel like when obviously when you've been out doing your other adventures you've met people from all over the world Mm. um for, for, for other people that i've spoke to spoke to um i feel sometimes not all the time but us brits are not as forthcoming as some other countries i feel I, i've spoke to other people about this um mm. or did you did you have quite good experiences with with you know us brits when it when came I to like help and stuff? Britain. yeah yeah <laughs> uh,
1: Nah, yeah no not as much but then i wasn't really there was one couple that owned an, a B&B... This is, this is quite a funny story. A lovely couple that owned a B&B down in, like, yeah. Devon somewhere. It might have been on the border between Devon and Cornwall. I can't remember. It was near Plymouth. Anyway, I, um, I stayed there the night, and I went to have my breakfast in the morning. And they said to us, so you Well, they said to me, because I was on my own, the husband and wife, they said, so... You've got something to tell us, haven't you? And I'm like, uh, have I? And I'm thinking, oh my God, have I got... Because I took my bike into the bedroom and I thought, oh my God, have I got grease on the sheets? Or what have I What have I done? Yeah. And they said, when you turned up here yesterday, you failed to tell us that you've cycled around the world, you've climbed Everest and you've done this and you've done that. We're, it's a privilege for us to have you here. And I'm like, oh, uh, okay, well yeah it's really kind of you thanks and she said and, I, and she said here's your bill and I'm like I go to get my wallet out and she looked at me and she just tore it up and said don't be silly do you think we take any money off you and, and it was just wonderful I wrote about that I yeah. put them in um, I put them in my book um, yeah, yeah so that happened and I did meet a few nice people um, yeah but typically when you're away in another country You'll stand out a bit more with your accent and stuff, so people are perhaps a bit more yeah. inquisitive, like, oh, "What are you doing here? Where are you going? Yeah. Where are you from?" So it's easier, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, you do get more support in other countries, I've found. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I su- but I there suppose are equally
1: like, people here that support you.
0: Yeah, exactly. I suppose if you're in, mm. in the, in, you know, the UK, then it's quite common in it for you know to see cyclists around. So yeah. I suppose when they saw you. They just thought you oh, were just, just another cyclist.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. They don't, they don't
0: think like, oh, he's cycling around the world or he's cycling around the UK. No,
1: they didn't have you a clue.
0: Like, yeah. No, exactly. You just look like a normal, uh, a normal cyclist. Um, now, when, obviously, 2019 and 2020 is when you did your gyrocopter fly, yeah fly. he yeah, flew around the world I was really interested was, about that because it's something I've never seen before um, actually you,
1: at some point if you come down I'll, yeah. I'll take you flying um, you oh that'd be great be quite like that. Yeah. yeah that yeah. was amazing actually that was probably the hardest project I've ever ever worked on I had to raise a huge amount of money to make that happen it was like logistically quite complex uh, to a degree I was very lucky I had a good support team back at home sort of helping me uh who i was in contact yeah. with every day but it was that people said to me oh that's going to be easy you got an engine right all you got to do is sit there and fly it easy peasy but it's not yeah, yeah. because you can't afford to have a mistake because gravity will absolutely kill you um yeah yeah so you've got you're always you know trying to play it safe um and it's actually quite stressful because the way to explain it is remember when you first start learning how to drive you come home from your driving lessons and you're completely and utterly mentally exhausted because you've been concentrating so much it's like that so you might only be flying for you you might be you might be in the cockpit because i had an open cockpit aircraft as well so i had a screen in front of me there's no roof so you're exposed to the elements um, yeah, yeah. you're 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 kind of like running on adrenaline when you're flying and you're 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 quite tired when you when you land you're hyped up, but then like an hour or so or two hours after you landed, I was just knackered because I was like crashing yeah, yeah um so it was quite hard and actually when I got into America, I landed in every single mainland state, so I didn't just fly across i basically sort of zigzagged the whole way across it was yeah, it was amazing the only american state i did not go to was hawaii and that's because i didn't okay I, I wasn't didn't have the range to get there uh, yeah. but again the people that i met flying across russia was unbelievably awesome like proper frontier country where you know for hundreds of miles in some parts of it there was just no one around um, that was that was that was good flew um in America, it was quite easy once I got into America, um, because yeah. flying is very much a, a sort of a standard thing over there. Everyone, loads of people fly in America like light aircraft. Yeah, yeah. It's not like over here if yeah. you fly a light aircraft, people are like, "Whoa, that's amazing!" Whereas it's totally standard over there. Yeah. Um, I flew past the Statue of Liberty. I flew under the Golden Gate yeah, Bridge. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've seen it's, seen, it's seen just, that. It's it's, uh, it's pretty amazing. it's pretty good. And then I came it's, back. Um, Actually, sorry, Karen.
0: I was going to say, because was it from that, you got, uh, you were given an an official Guinness World Record for that, weren't you?
1: It's funny, yeah, actually, yeah, I was given that, and before, before I came on the call with you this evening, I was actually, they they called me up, actually, because my certificates were ready. Yeah, I I did, they did give me a Guinness World Record for the first officially ratified flight around the world in a a gyro, so that was pretty cool, Um, and actually, but the main mission, again, was very similar to the cycle. Like I get quite a lot of enjoyment out of meeting people. So the goal was to inspire a million young people to sort of pursue their own goals and dreams. Um, yeah. And so I, where I could, I, in Russia, I think I did four different schools. Um, I, I stopped and spoke in schools and things and just sort of shared my story with kids. And that was probably the best part. That was one of the best parts about it. The flying was incredible. And, and again, I could get into technical detail of, of how i did things but that would probably go over a lot of people's head uh, if they don't yeah. fly it was not really going to mean that. yeah yeah um i think that makes the but, experience know, every, so doesn't it, it that makes incredible. the experience
0: every, like um yeah every like meeting people a,
1: every day i knew where i wanted to fly to um i had a sort of a team of people at home monitoring me um yeah and it was Every time I landed, I actually had to get someone to sign a bit of paper to, uh, to 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 certify that I was actually there doing what I was doing. This is like a witness signature to, to claim the record. Yeah. Um, but again, I just met so many amazing, kind people. That I... But but here's the crazy thing. It's all a distant memory now. I mean. It's like in 2019. Yeah. Well, 2021 yeah. now, and it's, it's gone. It's, yeah. I mean, a new book is coming out uh pretty soon yeah. but
0: yeah 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 so just with with your, obviously with the fly uh, the flying like, you basically went for was it from nothing to what you did in less than two years or about two years <laughs>
1: yeah i learned to fly um and yeah i think i had yeah so two years before i set off i had no flying experience and that actually yeah. That's kind of generally unheard of. For someone to learn how to fly, to then fly around the world, doesn't really happen. Typically people who who fly around the world are people that have been flying for a long time, they have a huge amount of experience and they decide to go and do it. So what I was doing was a little bit backwards. Um, but I was very lucky. I had some good sort of mentors around me who who had a lot of experience themselves. And then, again, this goes back to what I was saying about you have to be careful who you listen to because there is a lot of people that actually have very good intentions. They want to help you, but it's and they'll tell they'll they'll they'll, they'll talk at you, uh, and they'll tell you yeah. exactly what you need to do. And then you actually realise that they don't have anywhere near as much as experience as they're actually sort of trying to to perhaps portray and so yeah. I was quite lucky I had some people who said look what you're trying to do is pretty uh, it's it's relatively high risk because you have low experience however if you do these things and you do these safely and you sort of have your you know your protocol of you know if if something doesn't feel right you turn back you land you don't take any risks it's always better to fly another day than it is to crash the thing and kill yourself so uh, you yeah, know, yeah so yeah safety was always on my mind and i, I and mean, then but you just learn as you go you you get you get more experience yeah so, yeah.
0: so yeah. what's what was sort of the process of getting your license is it very similar to getting a, a private uh, helicopter license or is yeah it very similar f-
1: yeah it's a ppa it's called a ppl for so it's a private pilot's license for gyros yeah. so just like a a, a a small plane ppl or yeah um or learn to fly helicopters, it's, it's very similar. Yeah. So it took me about four months, I think, to get my license, but then I was flying a lot. I was, it was all kind of different because it was my job. I, I was able, I was very lucky actually, I secured some funding from a couple of companies that said, you know what, we'll, we think this is a really amazing thing to be involved with. We will help you. And that enabled me to purchase the aircraft. And then once I had the aircraft, I just put fuel in it. I was flying almost every day, so I yeah. racked up a lot of hours very quickly. So very quickly, I gained what takes most people years. I gained in six months to a year. So, yeah. whilst I hadn't been flying that long before I left, I had actually built up a lot of experience really, really quickly. And because I had good people, you know, the company that built the aircraft, a company called Magni. And they, the UK arm of, of Magni, is a couple of guys that I know very well, and they're both really, really experienced guys. And I was just lucky to have them sort of mentoring me. And then yeah. um, I was, you know, I was, I was able to get some support off another guy who, who flew around the world in a helicopter. He kind of supported me. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, yeah. It, all the things that you think are a challenge are going to be difficult. Can be overcome uh, and you can find ways to do it but you gotta you have to understand that when you put yourself out there and you want to do these big things you might have some people say well that's crazy you shouldn't be doing that But you've got to stay focused and block everything out and just focus on what you need to do and what's important to get your to achieve your objective and anything outside of that is noise just don't listen to it just just focus yeah. and so that, that 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 project was I had to really focus on that that project to fly around the world yeah
0: yeah yeah like I, I I can imagine that's a lot personally I would say that's a lot more technical than any of the adventures that you've done like there's oh, a lot more it could yeah. Physically could go wrong not
1: that difficult it's the only it's the yeah. only project I've ever come back and i put weight on yeah, uh, you know yeah, that, that yeah. never happens so so but that's what happens when you're stressed you're eating hotel food in the evenings and and you're you're just you're flying very long days but i was one guy sort of you know flying filming doing loads of different things so my day when i landed that aircraft my day hadn't finished i had so i was under like sort of sponsorship obligations to upload content yeah. and do certain things And no matter how tired I was in the evening, I had things to do. Uh, So I was quite often up late prepping for the next day, checking the weather, making sure my route's all good, knowing where I'm going, uploading the videos. That was, that added a different dimension. That added another element of complexity uh, because it's it's your time. You become more fatigued doing it. If I didn't have to do that, it wouldn't, wouldn't have been as hard
0: yeah yeah I but that's imagine. what
1: comes when you take the money off a company or, or an individual to do something usually there will be commitments that come with that and yeah, absolutely that's that's that you know i've always said if you have if you're in a position to pay for something yourself just do it yourself it's easier
0: yeah yeah but, yeah, um, yeah.
1: but i i wasn't so i had to, to figure out a way to go and, and, and make it happen and that was through sponsorship yeah, there's three yeah. kind um, of elements where I tend to find people say to me, I'd love to do this, but I haven't got enough money. That's quite common. Yeah. But actually that can be overcome. I, I, I still don't have a huge amount of money, but there's always a way to raise it or obtain it if you, if you really want it. And and then the, sort of the other two common things are, I'd love to do that, but I don't have time, but I, like it just depends what, what, you, what your priorities are, really, because yeah, yeah, no exactly. one else has any more time as such. People's situations are different. But if you want something, you'll, you'll, you'll find the time. Another one is like, I'd love to do that, but I don't know where to start. I don't have the skills. And that is by far the most easiest thing to overcome, because you'll be surprised if you put yourself out there and say, I want to do this, but I don't really know what I'm doing. Don't be embarrassed to do that because more people will come forward and help you than than you think. And there's always a way to learn a skill. So yeah, The yeah, sort of exactly. common things that people say are holding them back: money, time, skills. Actually, all of those can be. They're just excuses. All of those can actually be overcome if you really want yeah, to. Exactly.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and I feel sound. like um, I feel like sorry. I feel like you were saying about time and stuff like that. I, I, I can't remember I read a quote somewhere or uh, someone paraphrased that you know there's no difference between me you uh, uh, a, a a star you know a lister celebrity musician it whatever it may be yeah okay. it, is, it is it is sorry yeah
1: number of hours in her day than, yeah. than you and I and it's true yeah it's
0: Admittedly, just how you use it
1: she, it's how you use it yeah 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 I mean she, and and yeah. to be
0: fair she has got a lot of you know she's got a lot of resources like yeah uh, more and than
1: resources what... does come into it as well yeah so, yeah. so
0: I, I can understand that and that's that's a question uh to be honest it's probably something that I, you've just answered for me because I know there's a lot of people who ask that question and you know I've, I've had them so similar questions that I had to like people like Sean and things like that and it, it is true it is true what you say like there's there is always enough time it's obviously you got to work out what your priorities are Um, And I feel like I feel like now at the moment, obviously, the situation we're in, it's probably a good a time as any in the sense of uh, planning, because there's a lot of time to plan at the moment, because we can't really go anywhere. So Mm -hmm. there's probably a lot of time to plan. And, again, I know it's difficult, like, for instance, if you're, uh, you're speaking to certain companies or emailing companies, because obviously, there's a lot of people in, you know, in some horrible situations with, you know, going a lot of businesses going under and stuff like that but overall i think it is a good time in in that ex- aspect of sort of planning to sort of go out there and and ask for help because there's all, obviously as as well as we already spoke about beforehand is uh a lot of people are obviously doing all this online stuff nowadays so there's always going to be someone behind a computer somewhere uh they're still got to well, run the mine- business end of the day
1: here's my mindset around this, this situation that we're in. So I initially lost a lot of work because my job is to stand usually on a stage in front of a group of people and yeah. tell stories. That's, that's my job. And all of a sudden that just stopped. And then a few, I started getting a few online ones. And I thought, okay, oh, it'll come back, it'll come back. But then the reality hit me last year. It will come back, but we won't be doing stuff in person for quite a long time yet. So the new normal is, is, is online. And I thought, well, okay, hang about before my sort of every now and then I flew to America to give a few talks and then I was out in Abu Dhabi and India. So I've done some international stuff, but predominantly it was just in the UK. But I thought, well, hang about if I'm now doing this online, that technically opens up the entire world for me. So I can speak to anyone now it's online. There might be a time difference. But it doesn't matter where any company is, and so I kind of changed the way I was sort of thinking about my situation with work and, and stuff, and I and I decided that I was just going to get inc- insanely proactive, and um, yeah, it's it's actually kind of paying off really, um, and yep. I think sometimes you can have. A situation two people can look at that situation and those two people can see two very different things and um, you know I, I just I was sort of determined to try and find something good off the back of this situation of, of you know we find ourselves in with restrictions and goodness knows what and actually there is if you if you want to look there is it, it, Some of the biggest things that I've learned, I've been really lucky. I've met a lot of very successful people in my quest for sponsorship. Now, admittedly, success is subjective. It's not necessarily how much money you've got. But I've met a lot of very wealthy, successful people. And they all have something in common. And that is they've all got a good attitude. They take 100% responsibility and accountability for everything you never hear them say it was someone else's fault they'll say "Oh it was my fault i didn't manage it properly so it was my fault and when you really sort of start taking ownership of things and getting stuck into things and you st- because things will happen to you in life the only thing you can control is how you respond to something that generally determines how you do in life and um Yeah, I think, you know, if you no matter what happens, if you take if you're determined to find some kind of positive outcome out of any situation, you'll always be okay. And it's it's having that right mindset and that right attitude that will take you a long way. If you don't have that, you're never gonna get that far. If you're blaming other people, if you do if you just have a poor attitude, you're you're not gonna get anywhere. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And as, as I said before, like it's, you know, we're all in the same situation. It's just got to make do with what we've got at the moment and try and, you know, use what is available, not, you know, what mm. we have got, not what we don't have at the moment. Because at the end of the day, absolutely. most of us don't have certain things, but we're just got to make do with what we've got. Now, yeah. one of the things I want to chat about now quickly is, you know, as I said, we're most people are all at home nowadays uh with the current situation if if you feel like you know you're getting a bit bored and you know you've got nothing to do let's just say you enjoy uh, a bit of reading what you can do is some is something like you can see up there where is it you can see up in the top there on my uh on my screen uh is go and read your book so that's your current yeah. book which we'll talk about um i know so basically it is it is an, a sort of combination of of you know the free some of the free uh, act- activities or adventures we talked about, but is there anything more you want to add towards that that is involved uh, in the book? Yeah,
1: in the ultimate triathlon, I talk a lot about how I managed to make these things happen, and I describe the journeys in detail and the people that I met. So perhaps any budding adventurer might be interested in reading it. Um, yep. The new book, however is focused much more on mindset and the things that I've learned off of the bad, off of the challenging experiences that I've had, you know, you know, having been rescued in the Indian Ocean and, and having, having experienced amazing highs and crushing lows, which are very disappointing. Um, it's kind of like opened my mind up a little bit to, you know, the mindset and, and, and how you you need to think um and so the new book i, I go into detail on my flight around the world but yeah. i also go into detail on, on the things that i've been involved with that haven't gone to plan and ultimately yeah. what i've learned from that so i'm hoping a new book which will be launched in march um okay will appeal to not just a pilot or, or a wannabe adventurer or an armchair adventurer, or whatever I'm hoping that it will appeal to anyone who's interested in, in achieving a goal and mm. their, their kind of mindset. So so basically um, I'm sharing what I've learned just through my stories. So this, this yeah. new book is a bit more focused on that. So hopefully that might yeah. be useful to some people.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think hopefully it'd be uh, you know, useful to many people. And like I said, I, I say to many people, um, adventure is quite a niche word. So. Because people just assume adventure is someone like yourself climbing Mount Everest. It's not like someone adventure could be going out walking the dog or going for a walk a, ro- a walk around the park. Of yeah, course, but for it's some people, subjective. it is. Mm. Yeah, it is subjective exactly, and yeah. um, that's that's something I want to get across to people is because when I say people like you know do adventures and stuff like that, people always assume that it's something extravagant. you know don't get me wrong that you you know the stuff you've done is really sort of amazing and and, you know i'm sure a lot of people would love to do what you've done but as i say it's not always about that it's always you know sometimes it's about just these little things that can keep your mind sort of active
1: Uh, just start small just get out there go for a walk do this go camping do whatever you want to do and i'll tell you one thing if i can give any advice do not compare yourself to other people the second you compete with someone else, you become bitter. The second you compete with yourself, you become better. So just yep. do your own thing. Don't worry about what anyone else is doing or saying. Focus on your own thing and you'll be just fine.
0: That's awesome. Um, last <laughs> thing I wanna ask you before before we let, leave, it, leave you is what is next? Now, some, you don't, obviously, I know you've got things in the pipeline, but is there anything you can kind of, can tell, that's not giving too much yeah, away. Yeah, I can,
1: I can, yeah, it's okay. So I'm working on a big sailing project in 2023, late 2023. It may end up falling into early 2024. But I'm working on a project to sail around the world. It's not just me. I'm taking some ex-offenders okay. away with me and no, not necessarily ex-offenders, but individuals who've who've had challenging, difficult backgrounds. I'm going to give them an opportunity to do something. That they wouldn't ordinarily get to do, that hopefully shoots them off on a better trajectory in their life than perhaps they were currently on. Um, so yeah, that's what. I'm, but it's a huge project. Every time I've worked on a new project, I'm sort of trying to go a bit bigger and push myself a bit harder. Um, so this is a this is this is a very very big project for me. I need to raise a a, a, a large <laughs> sum of money that yeah. I've not raised before. Um, but I believe it's definitely doable and I think the project's going to be, um, I think it has the potential to be pretty amazing. Um, and I'm going to, no, you no matter what the outcome is, I'll make it happen. So,
0: yeah. 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 absolutely. As you say, um, it's just persisting. Like if you keep persisting on, on, that's what you want to do and that's your next project or goal, then the only time you're not, you, you might fail. But it's not the point they're failing. I think it's the point if you do fail. You to learn carry more from your
1: failures anyway, to be honest. You do. Anyone you do. can carry on and, and, and function at a high level when things are going well. They're getting what they want. Yep. Uh, their bills are paid. They have good relationships with other people. Life is easy. But when everything starts to go wrong and you're not getting what you want, and things are going bad and bad things are happening to you, Or challenging things that's when you find out who you really are and what you're really made of are you going to fall apart and cry your eyes out and feel sorry for yourself or will you just crack on and not really worry too much and sort it out and it's high easier said than done
0: (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. it is yeah it is Um, (laughs) last thing i want to ask you um Mm. now it's something i've asked pretty much everyone If you could pick any adventure with any single person, past or present, what would you do and where would you go? And who would you go with?
1: Uh, I'd like to meet Christopher Columbus. Uh, Okay. He's a pretty amazing guy. And if we could have any adventure, and this sounds daft, but I'd probably say let's go into space take him to a okay. place he's never been before and take me to a place yeah. i've never been before um that'd be yeah. pretty cool well I, I know that's not realistic though so um yeah i don't
0: have to be realistic it's <laughs> just uh, it's just it's just, it's a just dream thing.
1: yeah
0: yeah, yeah. I, I i i'd like to sort of understand, not Captain understand James like Cook, i would
1: where, like to meet him i would like to yeah. meet him uh christopher columbus i thought about christopher columbus a lot actually when i was rowing across the atlantic uh, yeah, Amelia Earhart yeah. who, who uh, she who went yeah. missing she was a famous female aviator. Yeah. There's loads of different people I'd love to meet and and ask what happened. Uh, Mallory and yeah. I mean, that wow that would be a good one wouldn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, speaking of that just quickly. Um I actually uh on the podcast uh, it'll be on the channel somewhere. Uh, I spoke to uh, Edmund Hillary's grandson is it so Peter? i bumped into uh, that's his i think that peter's his dad uh, alex's dad alex is the grandson
1: okay I think that's so his,
0: peter's the dad that, yeah so that'll be uh, edmund hillary's son gotcha. so this is his yeah, grandson i yeah, spoke yeah. to yeah I uh, was, I yeah long story short i met him in france but yeah he's on another episode so that that's something cool. i want to quickly mention is he um, into climbing yeah. as well oh he's into absolutely all sorts um yeah absolutely all sorts um, but yeah, it's, it's been, it's been absolutely great, mate. Like it's been times flying by, uh, flown by, sorry. Um, so I really appreciate it. It's been, it's been great to catch up. It's As totally I say, well. I've not really, we speak to each other, you know, re, quite on a relative sort of yeah. regular I'll, I'll send in, you a uh, copy entire. of
1: the new book when it's out.
0: Oh, that'd be great. Absolutely great. And like I said, I'll put everything in the description. Um, what, what's the best place for people to sort of check out sort of probably just my website stuff? really, uh,
1: and Instagram, yep. Instagram is, at Ketchel James and my website
0: is just yep. net. yeah 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 i'll make sure that's in the description so everyone can have a look at that cool but like i said mate it's been it's been an absolute pleasure um appreciate it um so if anyone wants to again just check out the description you'll see james's stuff uh, and for myself again check out the description i'll put this on my youtube page make sure you like the video make sure you subscribe to the channel and if i don't see you soon i'll catch you on the flip side